Welcome to DevOps Sauna. My name is Lauri and I am the Chief Marketing Officer of Efficode. We at Efficode value results. As we work with our customers, we see that sharing our experience and expertise spins them forward. However, it wouldn't mean that there was only one truth that helped everyone. We sometimes see strong different viewpoints about the means by which our customers should help themselves, and these differences extend to our customer base. To express these alternative points of views, we decided to host a debate between a few esteemed specialists. We discussed what is keeping software enterprises from scaling up and touched on some points on possible solutions. If you get excited about things like Agile, Continuous Everything, DevOps, Value Stream Mapping, or Theory of Constraints, I'm sure you will enjoy this conversation. The discussion is attended by Efficodians Kalle Mäkelä and Silard Sell from Finland and Henrik Höv from Denmark. Kalle delivers us the opening speech, and after that, it's truly a free flow. So let's tune in. So let me start by saying that my why I'm here actually recording this with you guys. So, so my main professional reason for getting up actually in the morning is to see our customers that aha and Europe moments when they learn new and better ways of working. So after my work is like kind of done in the customer side, any CXO, middle management, management manager or person, and a knowledge worker understands the best way of them to collaborate to the, uh, on the common goal and satisfying their end customers with the best products and services. So in my, in my point of view, we are here talking about what the reasons why my daily work sometimes seems to be so incredibly, incredibly hard. So even if we seem to have all the necessary frameworks, gadgets and magic tricks uh, in our you know, pockets uh, to get our customers to be the best that they can be, or even better. So to state out loud, officially, we at Efico do not subscribe to just one methodology or principle. We recognize that there is agile, of course, in the in the in the basement as a mindset, and then there is safe, and then there is less. We also acknowledge that there isn't sometimes anything at all when trying to scale agile. To add more to the point, we see that our customers have equally wide array of opinions on these subjects. So we will debate these options to help you decide what approach is best for you. And what do you want to think when you are doing that? To set the scene for this panel discussion, let's start from the beginning of this journey when an Epicodian wants to help his or her customer to achieve great things. And uh, my personal favorite is this objective versus subjective truths. So I, I see that uh, the basement or getting set in, setting the seed, scene for the trans, transformation journey, the finding the objective truths is actually key enabler uh, when you build the trust between the organization structures. So, and also to say out loud, my, my favorite nightmare is when we have a subjective truths as an, uh, in this asynchronous communication environment. So that's my, my first uh, pain point in the customer that I want to solve. So uh, what is yours? Okay, so um, yeah, hi, I'm uh, Henrik, I'm from Denmark. Um, so I agree with Kalle that it's very interesting when you get to go to customers as a consultant and you get very different uh, tasks in how to help them. Um, you can't really help every customer in the same way. There are some things that are 
how do you say some some things that are the same basically, but but the implementation might differ. Mm. And um, I'm also lucky to know people who work in uh, small unicorns and see what they do. I am also part of the Cloud Native Nordic, Cloud Native Aarhus in the admin group, co-organizer and see what's happening in that space. And um, I think for me, I mean, to me, Agile is something that was made by developers for developers. Uh, great people meeting in a, in a cabin or a hut or whatever it was over a weekend and agreeing on some values and some principles. And to me, the first, so it doesn't really, to me, make sense literally to say we want to scale Agile because it's, it's a manifest. Um, it's a mindset. Um, but I think what people mean is that you broaden Agile to other areas of the business. Um, and uh, the first thing I think we where we witnessed this was when Patrick Dubois created his first conference called uh, DevOps Days. It was supposed to be called um, Agile for System Administrators, but he didn't like the name. And I, I agree. <laughs> and he actually, that's actually when DevOps uh, was born, uh, the term. And uh, people have asked him, why didn't you create a manifest? And he said, well, first of all, nobody reads the manifest. Um, second of all, I wanted to be able to evolve. So to me, this is the closest you can get to scaling agile is to like, take the principles and the values and see how can we apply that to our department, whether it's software development, ops, uh, HR, or whatever it is. And I think we've seen a lot of great stuff in the industry when this happens. Um, now, when you don't write a manifest, you, you still get the problem that people read the word and then they say, oh, I know what this is. They put two words together. So we should just bring dev and ops into the same room. And that's not what it's about. Um, and the good thing about DevOps is that it has evolved a lot since uh, the first DevOps days. So it's not just about bringing Agile into ops. It's also testing and security and all that. And it's also mm. much more than just Agile. And then um, I think to me, um, there's no really, there's no point in trying to scale an organization if your architecture doesn't scale. So if you have a big monolith, I mean, if you try to scale the organization, you'll just have a lot of teams depending on each other and it'll be a nightmare. And I've seen that at customers, uh, no matter what framework they use. Um, whereas if you look at the open source community, like Kubernetes, uh, Prometheus, all that stuff, they are building huge sets of software and platforms and they're not even hired at the same company. I mean, they work at different companies, work at night, not in the same room, and they make it work. I mean, they, they create huge sets of platforms and software and, and they, it works for them. And they don't have a framework but what they do is they have a really good architecture that is decoupled. So people working on Grafana, 
they don't put post-it notes on Kubernetes people sports uh, that we are blocked by this or we are depending on this. They create an issue and if they want it, they can actually implement it themselves if they want to. It's not like, oh, I work in this department, I'm depending on that department. I can't do that. Of course you can. So I think, um, so to me, cloud native might be the next, the, the thing that DevOps missed because the whole configuration as code era is dying out because it didn't scale. Um, and now we are as configuration as data um, with YAML and Kubernetes stuff uh, and it scales much better. And I think that's, to me, the road to scaling your organization if you want, because of Conway, of course. It goes both ways. Thanks, thanks, Henrik. Uh, nice, nice opening. So, Sira, do you want to continue? Yeah, actually, a, a lot of areas to to jump on, and being a tester, uh, feeling, you know, my my point is to to say that what might not be the case, or at least I need to challenge some of the the things. Not like I disagree, but uh, to structure what we are talking about and when we are talking about scaling. So my understanding was that, or let me translate what you said in a different way. You said that we can scale things in a different way. So would I understand correctly that scaling horizontally equals DevOps? So when we want to have more, you mentioned quality assurance and operations and scaling agility to those teams. So kind of we are scaling throughout the life cycle of the of the product development, scaling agility involving them in the agile way of working. We would call that DevOps. But then what happens with the other way when we want to scale vertically, we want to scale the business in, we want to scale to hundreds of teams. We want to scale to 10 continents because the company is so big. And you mentioned cloud native, you mentioned open source, and this is great, but I sometimes call, call these the cloud native butterflies because you know you, you can do really whatever you want. In, in open source, you don't like the, the frame what you do, you just go to the next project. You as a person, you just leave or you just leave the product behind. You have you have no contracts that you need to maintain that stuff for the next 10 years. You have you you have a lot of freedom there, right? But what happens with those companies who are big in size, who have a very complex system, who has 20 years of legacy? How can they start on their digital transformation? What should be for them the route to go? And we say agile and we say DevOps. But does that include scaling to the business level, scaling to middle management, scaling, you know, to the hundreds of teams and to the multiple continents they might work on? So are we able to give an answer to them with simple saying DevOps and cloud native, or we need a little bit more uh, framework and structure for that? So to me, DevOps is more about uh, just scaling horizontally, but it's part of it. Um, I think what DevOps evolved into besides just uh, agile is to look at you know, things from lean, like value stream mapping and optimizing it. I really like the um, 
the DevOps report, like um, Accelerate, the book, uh, is really awesome. And uh, what it tells us is that lead time is really important. Um, yeah. It's one of the factors that you want. And I think the problem is that when you talk about big, huge companies, like they're really a different thing. Well, I don't know exactly how many people contributed to Kubernetes, but I don't think we can find a company with that many software developers in the world. It'll be hard, I think. So Kubernetes, and that's just the platform, right? Then you have service meshes, then you have Prometheus and all the other stuff. So it is extremely big and it works. And I think the problem is that you want to take, oh, I mean, big companies, enterprise companies, want to keep their structure and they want to keep their middle managers and other management and all that stuff. Cloud native environment doesn't have that and it works. I don't think they want to keep it. Sorry to jump on that. I don't think they want to keep it, but they don't know what else to do. Yeah. And that word mm-hmm. for the last 150 years in big companies yes. and the last 50 years in, in software companies, mm-hmm. maybe 40, but they have no idea what to change and how to change. And then we can say, yeah, you know, DevOps and cloud native, and look, they have no middle management. Yeah, you just kicked, I don't know, half of the half of the headcount out of the company. I, I'm, I'm thinking of this like, what actually is open source, that business layer? Why open source exists and why, how, because you, of course, you can be a researcher to be really on the front line, searching some new stuff. Is the business then the research? Is it then the business itself, the research? But then, but then it's like Kubernetes for me, exa- uh, for example, I believe the, uh, the drive comes from somewhere. And of course, the open source community members, their daily work is revolving around, uh, you know, abstracting co- the complexity uh, in their organization with technology, because that's the, what they can do. That's that's why, why they create value to the to the uh, to the world. But I'm like, do the open source community have what is their business organization? You know, well, I mean, there are companies that create open source projects and then they have like a pro version or whatever. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course, like but, uh, the biggest but... com- companies in the world, like Red Hat. Yes, they sell <laughs> licenses. Yes, <laughs> not software. <laughs> but like, what is driving the open source community? You know that. Yeah. What is the end customer? And yeah. I believe it's it, it's in them. So that's my like. But how do you feel about it? Because the business is the community uh, leaders by themselves, actually, in my mind. Yeah. So so the way Kubernetes scale is, they have SIG groups or special interest groups, and uh, you can be part of it. So it's not like. You have a shirt and a tie and then uh, your upper management and then you <laughs> decide how this should be because Agile goes against that, um, right? So the developers knows that they should be in touch with the customer, the end user, and they should decide architecture and everything because that's where mm-hmm. the best solution come from. It's in the Agile manifesto. And the great thing about um, open source is that they begin small and then someone else say, hey, I can use that. I have a problem. I'll create an issue. And someone else in the world will say, I have the same problem, but I can actually fix it. And I actually, 
we had a, a funny uh, thing at the company I'm helping right now where we're actually using a, a scaled uh, agile framework uh, safe. And the great thing was that um, we actually decided between teams that they should help us implement all thing because they need it. And that would be the same as someone from Prometheus needed something new in Kubernetes, creating an issue and then actually implementing it. And this was this is unheard of in, in enterprise companies because you're hired to be here and your manager doesn't get bonuses for helping other teams and you know stuff like that. So there's a lot of constraints there that's stopping uh, collaboration between teams. Uh, but we are extremely lucky in the company I'm at right now that management and the architects actually know this and they understand it and they say, Go, go about helping people because it makes sense. Communication is extremely important. And that's also part of the Agile Manifest, right? Um, so, and I think, um, so, so to me, it's like they need to look at the unicorns because they don't have, they have a very flat structure. Uh, so I, I know a guy called Casper Nissen from Luna. They are beating the, good parts out of their comp uh, competition, the big banks. They are a new fintech uh, online bank and they are racing with 500 kilometers per hour. Cloud native butterflies. Yeah, and they, me. I mean, so so I think that the problem for big enterprises is that they have this very old uh, rigid structure. They have old legacy software that doesn't scale. And then you try to solve that problem by introducing processes. That goes against the Agile Manifest. You should solve the problem where at the root, you know, start with uh, the software. Yeah, that's why I, I, that's why I talked in the intro about this subjective truth. And that comes uh, like in my customer cases, that comes uh, in the form of the old processes that before, you know, this worked before and I, this is my only, I feel that this is the only way that I can contribute in the organization. And, and my, my, you know, personal goal uh, or like moment uh, or the target in the, in the first like month when I'm at customer side, I always relate to that. I want to know where he or she comes from and ask the you know the questions around that I can get the like where where he is or she is now standing and then show on that context like this has been proven to work and with objectivity you know like that okay uh, because it is not possible to grow something that is not fundamentally you know like proven working in that context so you need to you need to show the way Basically, that's what I'm talking. Uh, want, wanted to say, and that's why I wanted to start with that, because like if you don't know by fact something, you always think, assume, and that is subjective based on your beliefs and your experiences. And why do? What do you think? And and uh, yeah, so, so that's um, so that is that is like in my mind fundamental, you know problem that if you don't know the if you don't know the technology and this is like when we we try to uh, you know bring in the technology to the business heart 
And there is a huge mismatch when you have oil as a business and water as technology or another way, I don't know. But it's still like in the same bottle, but it's still not, you know, it's gonna, it's never gonna mix. So uh, it is, it is, uh, uh, I don't want to say that it's gonna never mix, but I want to see that the knowledge workers can in the future talk in the same language and grow on based on proven, proven things that actually work. And the technology is, uh, in, in my mind, uh, the enabler number one in this sense, because it is something tangible. You know, it is something that you can use. If you don't have technology, then the world would be full of different kind of business models where where actually the company is solely relying on, on, a, on a person's knowledge on how something has been done before. But technology is the basement that grows, you know, from the bottom and gives the, the same possibilities to the, all of the companies. Uh, and, and, you know, that then, then they can use that asset. And I believe that's like the main motivation for this whole digital, digital business transformation. And uh, it's it, yeah, it's going to be a long road still. I, I don't I see that I'm going to be in, pen, you know, getting to pension before my job is here is done. You know, how do you feel about that? You know, <laughs> well, probably, probably it, it's there. It's like, you know, originally I'm a software tester and with automation and DevOps and CICD and 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 as that and dev test and all with that, I've been told that I will be out of job soon there is no <laughs> tester needed anymore and i said yeah it's I, i'm i'm even happy to work for that and i know that i will have a profession for quite a long time yeah you still. will there, because the, without testing there is no software so that's that's why uh, that's my view yeah yeah they are all assumptions until tested Latest, you just need to build in quality and everything yes. solved. Yeah, <laughs> building security and building quality. Nice. Build in everything. I think for me, um, I mean, the important thing is to do things in the way that works for you. So I, I, I don't remember where I heard this, but there's one person who said that they had this situation where they had some developers who tested their stuff and they had X amount of errors. And then they added a test department, a silo. And the funny thing is the amount of errors in production actually was, was higher. And then they added more testers and then, it, then they actually got more, more errors, right? And that was because they didn't talk together. They didn't, they didn't integrate, right? So I think you have these different, um, uh, how do you say, generations of of practices like testers you have the old version then you have the new and then you have the newest but here 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 let's go back to management so who made the decision to add more it was someone doing this based on old practices because some, some beforehand management. how it worked if i had a problem i added more resources and it solved the problem right yes. but these people will make the same decisions when we talk about let's scale agile Let's do technology. Let's go with mm. cloud native. Let's go with open source. Mm. How do they know how to do that? And these people are in very important roles, decision-making roles now. Mm. So that means they are the ones who can make a decision. So they need to be educated. How? How do you show them the, the picture? Will you say, we will do it that is good for you? Now, 
how do you show that? What is your roadmap? What's the future? What's the vision that you show when you say it will be good, but how? Yeah. And that's what I'm missing. And yeah, do we need to wait for millennials go to top management because those are like grown from digital transformation? I don't want to wait. Yeah, I don't want to either. But Generation X is on the way. <laughs> so how do we want? How do we train the middleman? You are like I want to also, you know, talk, to talk about this. So, well, I, I don't it... like this topic. Sorry, because we we talk about inclusion right include everybody and 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 we we talk about balance and we we talk about have everybody in and you now just excluded quite a lot no, no, of people no. based on age <laughs> sorry that was a little bit joke here well <laughs> be careful but, but yeah but it comes okay jokes comes from always from uh, to, to some some sort of truth yeah but the, the that relates to my my previous you know point that the uh, the middle management the sole purpose of middle management what I see is to make the work knowledge workers life easier and and if they don't know the context where they are working if they don't know the technology uh, you know how do you utilize technology uh, to achieve more how then actually they can uh, achieve anything why middle management then exists so how can you help them yeah, so that's that's why also I want to also you know talk about this technology and and you know showing and because I don't. But is that only technology? We've been talking about processes, yeah, yeah, it's, values, it's, yeah, dreams, yeah, no. and now we are yeah. talking only about technology. Will technology well, solve me my organization? It's something that actually technology is technology. If you go on Wikipedia, uh, you can see that is uh, basically everything in the world. So it's something that you can uh, create from science and show as like tangible tangible thing an asset and like if you know uh, if you think about technology transformation it is actually how do you use uh, these um, these assets to grow more you know to get get more uh, you know value out and uh, technology is not you know Kubernetes it's not you know uh, something it's all the process around it but technology solves problems right there's no, a problem. It actually, no, no, it actually creates I, more. It's create value more. It is. It is not only solving problems. It's the you know the bigger picture in technology transformation is actually giving more to the society. Without technology, we weren't here. Be speaking. Uh, you okay, know. it's it's disruptive, <laughs> of course. That yeah. drives innovation. But on the other hand, you are solving problems. Now, how do you know what problems to solve? How technology solves my again process problem? how it mm -hmm. helps to have the objective yeah. truth, as you said, how technology helps with collaboration, making my team members working together. The, these all happens, right? How to uh, give information to management to make right decisions if they need to do decisions or how the decision can be uh, delegated to the right place where the information and the knowledge is. Hmm. But how so... technology helps there and, and are, are, is it enough to say, technology no we need, you need to put the socio sociological uh, aspect on it so so together they are the you know together they are more than one plus one so it's it's like free the technology is like it's rather science of craft so it's a sum of technology skills methods and processes to combine together so that is actually one thing that is also one of our problems. So people don't, you know, 
if you are a business, uh, you know, master of science, uh, sorry, what is this master of uh, <laughs> business? MBA. MBA, MBA. So are they teaching in the schools? In, the, in this panel here, do we have an MBA? So yes, so we have one. So, so I had do... a mini, mini, mini school of that just part, <laughs> uh, like one quarter of the MBA, but back in 2006. And it was already that time full of digital education. Like digital so it, marketing, for example. But 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 it, it is but still it's about uh, actually economical uh, view still is it? So so it is it is not like that. Uh, MBA will not uh, search for uh, this kind of first principle point of view. You know that if we're gonna break everything, uh, then bring uh, together with technology, we create more business. I believe there is in the world there are people that can see it. And can utilize the both sides, you know, technology and business to, you know, build something more. Uh, fundamentally, uh, I see that uh, in the in the classrooms they don't don't teach this enough. Well, Kalle, then let me challenge a bit. So, can you yeah. be a good CEO by knowing the Kubernetes and working on open source? Does it make you a good decision maker? I see that if you have used uh, Kubernetes to solve your problems, to get more end user value, then you are a good CEO. If you know thing, uh, of something about uh, Kubernetes that is there, you don't, you are not, it doesn't help you. But if you so know it will help you with profitability questions, it will help you where to invest, to tell you where to invest, it will tell you what other company you buy, because you know Kubernetes. No, I just said that it will help if you know how to utilize technology to achieve end user value. But so still, you I... need to understand your subject matter yeah. and yes. need to understand how technology helps in that so, area. Yes. So you need yes. to understand profitability questions and all the rest, right? Yes, of course, of course. Course. Yeah. So, Hendrik, you, you look like you wanted to say something, but before I give <laughs> forward to you, uh, there's a, something that I want to add to this this conversation from this sort of masters of business administration perspective. Uh, this is, of, of course, very, very uh, radical simplification of that. But there was one hypothesis, which is to solve problems, and then another one, which is to create value. And I would I would put out it radically that that the role of business administration is to take those two and make more money and that and i think that makes a big difference between whether you you want to go and solve a problem and you get reward for solving a problem and another one is you you turn the opportunity and say okay if we do it this way we actually improve the society or we improve our our audience's well-being at large which is creating value and then the the consequentially if you do that commercially then you will make more money, and uh, and if you go with this this like staggering simplification, which just that put out, I think mm. uh, you know I am not deep in the open source, and I would be happy to admit that, but I would say that in in many respects, open source objective is not to make more money. Yep. And 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 therefore there is less need for MBAs in there because all they want to do. Apart so of those three options, they want to solve problems and create value, and then it's somebody else's problem to make money out of it. But now, Hendrik, you have for, for too long time looked like you want to say something, so we give floor to you. Yeah, so I, I, uh, I have to go back a, a bit. Uh, one of my, I think it was Edward Deming who said, or maybe Toyota, 
who said that they are basically raising an army of scientists. Um, and that's how I think. So, so I would agree with Sila that, that Kubernetes in itself will uh, solve all your problems or whatever technology you would, you would uh, bring in. Uh, you would need to have people who, who question things and, and see how can we make things better. I'm not just going to attend work at eight and go home at four and do what I was told and then forget about everything. I need to be progressive. I need to test things out. But also, I think my problem with Lean is that Lean at Toyota assumes that the constraint is in the market, not at Toyota. And that's just not the case for other companies. So when people implement Lean, they fail horribly. Uh, in Lean, you say that you make... Sorry, uh, you... software companies or factories? Sorry, what? Which one? When, when you said when companies implement Lean, are you talking yeah. about software companies or hardware like factories? It could be both. I mean, there are many So you companies... say that those factories like Toyota, Mercedes, and others have failed miserably implementing no, Toyota. No, Toyota hasn't. I didn't say that. Toyota, okay. Toyota is at a place where they have been having this mindset for many years and they've improved stuff over the many years uh, in a very rigorous way. And they are actually at a point where the constraint is in the market and not at Toyota. It takes, what is it, 82 hours from raw metal to a car or something. It's incredible. And the problem is when you then try to do the same thing at a company where the constraint is in your company, then it actually doesn't make sense to try and just optimize everything. And this is where Goldrat with the, the goal is uh, very important, I think. You should figure out how do I find the constraint and how do I actually remove it or solve it. And then it'll move around and eventually it'll move into the market. But only Toyota is, or very few companies, I had a place where the constraint is in the market. So you can't just implement lean and think that then you'll end up like Toyota. You'll break your neck before you do that. And so, so um, and, and then when you said that um, uh, a developer, if they would become a good CEO or someone who knows Kubernetes, I think the truth is somewhere in between of what you said, Silat, and what I could counter with is that well, Mark Zuckerberg was a developer. Elon Musk is basically an engineer. Uh, the Google, uh, the two Google people mm. who's not that active anymore, they were developers. I mean, so what, and, and also what you said about open source um, um, is that they don't need MBAs, but yeah, they make value. And in order to sell something, you need value. So if you're digging out diamonds, then digging out diamonds is the most important thing of your business. It shouldn't be, how do I sell these diamonds? Mm -hmm. And blocking people from, oh, you shouldn't dig now. or I need to make you stop digging for diamonds because we have this thing in the way. Um, you should dig out diamonds like 24-7, right? Uh, and then you can sell it um, afterwards. And the problem I see at big enterprise companies is that they do the opposite. They have a security department that says you can't put to production because we found these errors. We're stopping you. right? And this is where DevOps try and tell you, well, maybe we should build that in. Maybe you should scan our stuff uh, every time we commit so we get small 
uh, errors and we get small changes and we get to market faster again. But actually for that you need to get change transform your organization to be a value stream driven organization right so everybody yes. who is working on that value stream working on digging out diamonds yeah. they are together in a kind of one organization yes. and then you can apply the devops yeah. uh, principles and have the cicd pipeline helping there with all the tooling and all the processes and all the communication channels included in that but for that you need to do this transformation to value streams well, and here again we started we, we started to talk about uh, scared agile frameworks as well mm -hmm. and i believe that's where those could help telling you that one of the most important thing is to reorganize yourself from this silo based organization into value stream based organization model following the value your organization should be able to deliver end-to-end mm -hmm. -end value yeah, and I, then I security the, uh, is not a separate organization. Then security knowledge will be embedded in that value stream. Yeah, I think the 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 and, and it might be my conception or my interpretation of this is different. But every company in the world has a value stream. Yes, definitely. Like it's just it might be chaotic. It might be extremely slow. And I think the 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 important thing about value stream is to. First of all, measure them. I mean, get to a point where you can measure how much time does it actually take from raw metal to a car? Totally. And then after that, how can we make it faster? And how can we remove handovers? And DevOps is all about removing handovers because we eliminate or we automate infrastructure, ops, test, security. So now we actually have, you know, the product owner uh, handing over something to developers and they hand it over to a automated thing and in the end value pops out and that that's how devops tried to how do you say optimize uh, or use or be inspired by lean and all that stuff okay no what, what i said like i totally understand that devops will work and it's a solution within your value stream based organization so i didn't say you need to have a value stream you're right it's there we, you need to have an organization around that and that is probably part of DevOps as well. So nothing new, but, but having measurable uh, flow of value through the CICD pipeline. Yes. For that, you need to have DevOps. everybody around that, right? Yes. And my big question is going back to the scaling that how do we do that with a thousand people? Mm. Or just how do we do that with a hundred people? Yeah. And that's where uh we need something and that's where I, I i would say that we know devops is a solution but we also know organization uh, change is a solution so we we can already propose something we don't need to say start measuring everything and then you will see what's your problem because we kind of know already what what to change what to start with and this is the main point where we disagree, I think. <laughs> I, would, I would rather measure than assume. Uh, let me go, let, let, let's uh, talk about through an example. So there was this battery day from Tesla. I don't know if you checked it. So the main, main uh, you know, invention what actually Tesla did uh, is that they have been now, uh, you know, buying the battery cells from, uh, from different uh, manufacturers, Panasonic, uh, LG uh, and then this one cattle from China uh, 
So the basic basic idea why, where they say that we see that the actually the cell uh, kilowatt hours per dollar dollar per kilowatt hours we cannot go uh, you know below certain amount if we don't cut corners if we don't make our values change better and faster and make basically build the machine that actually builds the machine so so they did uh, an innovations in different areas in the packaging of the cells to the cars they basically remove all of the shelling around it and then most importantly they saw that the Panasonic, etc., other manufacturers, their business is to dig the diamonds. Their business is to do the sales and then only do the sales for the customers, for Tesla to use. And then there is this handoff, you know, there is specification of the cell and then they're manufacturing them. But Tesla did, did it so that there's huge, you know, manufacturing processes where they actually Panasonic is, you know, wasting money in revenue a lot. You know, they are, they don't want to actually optimize it because it, uh, it the, you know, the margins are larger for them if they have you future processes, you know, they then can, they can, you know, uh, ask more money from Tesla. So they basically do their own manufacturing process where they innovated the whole anode and cathode uh, part of the battery. So it doesn't take any more like two weeks to try out the, try out the add anode. It you can just put the powder now into this machine and it wraps uh, the coil and which makes the cell and they you know basically remove two weeks of manufacturing time and that cost costs are like half of the cost and also the kilowatt hours per liter will go uh, with 50% up and I see that is a beautiful example of like vertical integrating into the value stream so in our IT organizations I see that we need to see what is happening over the other side to optimize it to our side. And I don't know if it's through measurement or interviewing or just seeing it, like going there and see it, how they do it. And then basically science the value stream, the heck, heck out of the value stream. We need to, you know, science it out. <laughs> so that's my like example of like, uh, it's, it's a huge change that actually everybody who is listening in this into this call uh, and in on this panel will be affected in what they are doing now. And I, I see that this is like a perfect opportunity to, to you know see that in action. And it's not only software; it's software and hardware together, and the science of you know uh, the chemistry and also everything. But I think, in in my opinion, if you want to scale a software company, let's say you have. 500 employees or something like that. I think we could learn a lot from the things that are being developed with microservices and decoupled architectures and stuff like that, mm -hmm. because we don't really need that many processes and we don't need a lot of um, requirements from others because we're decoupled, but you need something to decouple it with. So I meet people who want to build monoliths. I also meet people who say, just decouple it, just decouple it. I was like, yeah, but I need something to decouple it to, right? Yeah, too, yeah. So in yep. software, so the most used ones in software right now is either a queue or a API um, gateway. So Kubernetes, for instance, uses an API. And this is why it scales so, uh, so well in development, because you know the API. And the Kubernetes API server is actually now being used for other things than Kubernetes, because it's a really powerful API. It's also why people use queues like RabbitMQ or Nets or Kafka or something like that, 
because you don't really need to know what other people do or if they respond or anything like that. You just need to listen for stuff and then do some stuff and put some other stuff back, right? And, and if we take the inverse convey law, we can apply that to a business, mm. right? And, and this is where I think some of the scaled frameworks fail uh, because they don't have this mindset of decoupling and, and, and like from microservices and all that stuff. It's more like a monolithic where everybody has to deliver at the same time, the same tech time, and everything is removed from the people who actually do the work. And it's an old, I feel at least, it's an old way of thinking and trying to solve the same problem. Um, so, so for instance, some people do microservices and what they do is they don't decouple it. And that's actually the worst thing you can do mm. because then you get a, a uh, you get a, um, how do you say it, a distributed monolith. So you get the no benefits and you get the worst thing from both of them, right? So you need to decouple it. So, so for instance, at a customer, you could create like a source of truth and you could have a team that, that runs this, like the API server is in the cloud native. The entire cloud native landscape depends on that. It could be your queue, right? Uh, and at some companies, they have something that resembles that, but then they don't have an API and they have manual processes and, you know, and they can't change stuff because they're way too buried in work. And so, so I think it's important that you take things in the right order. You need to figure out who swamped and then figure out how do you scale that so that they're not swamped because only then can you scale the rest of the organization. Because otherwise you'll just swamp them even more, right? And this is the theory of constraint from the, the goal by Goldgrad. Yes, and I'm just thinking, yeah. you know, if uh, taking back to the previous example, you said like adding more testers or, or having the, the, the security team in a separate silo. So we see they are the constraints. So what would be the management decision? We see this is this, the constraint. We have read the book from Goldratt, so let's solve it. So let's add more people to the security organization no, no, because no, no. that's how we know how to solve problems. Yeah, yeah. But, but this is where DevOps come in and tell you there's another way of solving it and there's a much better way of solving it, right? And that's building it in, you know, uh, basically um, taking the agile values and practices into security, just like ops did. But that also means you change the organization around value, right? No, I mean, they just need, you need to, to work move in a the different people, way. right? Or... No, 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 no. They just need to know what CICD is. And they need to inject their stuff in the right places before we give it to the customer. So every time I do a commit, there's a scan. So I know it. It's not like I wait three months and develop and then hand it over to them. And then they check it with their keyboards and stuff and find, oh, there's a security patch here. You need to redo most of your stuff. So you need right. to bring everybody to the same CICD platform first. Uh, How do you know who is everybody? Yeah, so um, so this is where value stream is important and mapping. Yes. yes. So value stream mapping is important. You need to know your value stream. And a lot of enterprise companies doesn't even know that. So actually, as, as I totally agree that we need to uh, redesign the, the architecture, 
and go probably to the microservice architecture not because it's so nice but because you can decouple and then because of that you remove the dependency problems right yes. and with that actually hopefully well. you remove the dependency problem between your organization as well yes. right so we need to change both you need to change the organization as well as you need to change the architecture of your product you and why you are the mindset at least yes. and the mindset yeah, the as mind. well yes and you change you said just the, the queuing mechanism and apis in your product and you have similar you need to have similar things in your organization how teams collaborate communicate to each other what channel they use what language template whatever they use uh, what queuing mechanism how do they queue work and we go back to lean working process limits how do you do that how do you handle that and we could say like yeah devops tells it but how does it tell it and how do you do that with a thousand people so again my question is how do we scale all this so if you if you take a limit work in progress um Henry Ford solved it by by minimizing the space between work centers. So you you got you know no space left. You couldn't produce anymore. Exactly. Where, where lean they they shrunk the the batch sizes because then you had a more overhead of handovers and that would then slow down the the entire value stream. And they also had the end on cord and all that stuff to control the pace, right? And then comes uh, Goldrad with uh, buffer rope, uh, uh, drum buffer rope. Uh, so basically, making it a pull system. So, in many cases, you know, in traditional IT infrastructure, is the constraint. They are swamped with tasks. So one thing we got from Kanban and uh, Scrum is work in progress limits. And I, I'm a huge believer in putting that on the backlog, and say if if we can handle like let's say. 10 tasks a week, then it should probably be set to 20 or something. And if someone come and say, oh, I need number 20, 21, and we'll say, well, sorry, you need to reprioritize instead of creating a two-year worth of backlog that you cannot manage or reshuffle or be agile about. Yeah, but with, with, with Factory, it was easy because you had space, right? Space yes. was the limit. Uh, yes. The the inter uh, the Oh, come on. The inventory between the two workstations was yes. your working process limit. Yes. But in Jira, and... I just add another thousand tasks. Hey, no limit. Yeah, but the, the funny thing is, so in, in production, you had this small sticker on each batch size. And the name of that was, it was a Kanban. Today in IT, that Kanban is your issue in Jira. So if you put a limit on your backlog on a team, it's the way, same way of saying, you cannot put more work to us until there's space in our backlog because we don't want to be swamped. Yeah. And, and every time you then fail at adding an issue, it's an it's, uh, it's actually a mechanism to tell you where the constraint is because it'll just if you don't have it, it'll just keep growing. Is that is that a limit in backlog or is that limit in work in progress? And I'm generally trying to understand that. I would put it on the backlog because and, and otherwise honestly, you. Sorry, as, as James Whitaker stated, that uh, it's it's good to describe processes, but if you want them to be kept, you need to make the process unavoidable, meaning that it's done by your tool. Your tool cannot let you go around, right? So if you talk about process limits, that means your backlog needs to reject it, like physically reject it. You cannot do, you cannot add more. Yeah. 
So we need the mindset, we need the understanding what we need to automate it, build into the to the tooling, right? To the implement our process into the tooling like that. How one I, I guess we are almost out of time, but one one thing that I wanted to discuss also is this like uh, when DevOps is talked about in the organization that okay, this will help you in the long run, etc. Uh, about this like they are labeled as these system teams in many of these frameworks. Uh, how do you actually do that? That okay, the uh, system uh, in the long run. Yeah, I mean that uh, if you have a system team employee or knowledge worker, and you they they are the bottleneck always. You or usually uh, even more when they want to change the whole value stream because they are very much needed to build that you know scalable through technology, yep. uh, so that every other people can then utilize those APIs and assets and tools etc. So how do you in uh, transform in reality this kind of this team to those value streams and teach it uh, in in these cases because I see that that's a bigger fix because we only have twenty four hours in a day. We only have two people or usually five or 10 people there. How do we optimize the use of them in this transformation? Well, I, I've seen actually that big verification organizations has been renamed to system team as such, and then nothing has changed. And that's actually mm. not what we want. Or the other thing was we said like the automation team should be the system team but we are expecting them to automate test cases. So the testers are running them manually somewhere figuring out and then they give it over to the system team to automate. That's again, not the case. So for me, and maybe it's not the answer to your question, but what is very important, automation as a service on demand. So the, the, those people need to create the platform so others can do their own work without actually talking to them. And this platform should grow and improve and communication platform, CICD platform, test automation platform. I would even say regression test as a service. So I can run it for me, but someone else defined hundreds of test cases in it, for example, and security test as a service, just to come back to that one, non-functional test performance, la, 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 whatever, as a service. So I believe that's important to understand that they should work towards that. And then I would build the transformation roadmap for them as well. And of course, uh, you know, work on that plan, plan somehow and, and go into that vision, of course, always changing the direction when needed. Yeah. So Henrik, your last words, and then, then we give the very last words to Kalle and then, then, then we go, then that's it. Um, yeah, so so I I think it's very interesting how we can scale enterprises and how we can make them more efficient. Uh, and I think I don't think every, anyone have like a silver bullet yet. Um, and I think it's people need to be careful not to just adopt you know the Spotify model. That's the best example I think. Um, but still, I mean. Get inspired by Lean, get inspired by TOC, by Spotify. Take what works for you. And always try to keep in mind that your software needs to scale if you want your organization to scale. And those two things go hand in hand. I mean, Conway was uh, quite clever with his uh, <laughs> his quote. Um, so I, I think that's important. And then not to 
underestimate the a constraint. Uh, I, I think it's important that we have people who hunt constraints down and actually remove mm. them. Um, yeah, and measure. No. Yeah, and I, I just want to finalize that it is the whole system, it is the whole organization, it's the technology together anyway that makes makes or breaks it. Uh, I have seen it in action. I have I have done transformation in bigger organization. It is this like the Gardner's buy model model and also the whole organization. I have seen both. Uh, it is truly I just feel that it's truly a fundamentally fun thing to see when people actually are not anymore these kind of line workers line workers in a, in a factory line old factory line rather they are into this virtual manufacturing line with knowledge work and they can actually live on that one but it still gives them uh you know that kind of that the process needs to enforce its rules so that they it's not like an anarchy kind of thing so yeah so i don't know if there's okay Silar wants to say something but my my I am I am kind of done. I don't know if this was very helpful, but uh, we have a lot more to talk about in the future, I believe. Yes, I just wanted to add that, uh, you know, to con controversies on the other, other hand, I believe these big uh, frameworks might help. I agree you need to understand which is better for you, but I think you need to understand what the big frameworks could give you, how they can help you. And it's, it, they, they typically have a lot of good knowledge backed in a logical way. So it, it's good to understand how they might help in your organization. So I would say you are not alone and you can start with those frameworks as well. But I agree that none of them should be religiously followed by the world. But you need to understand why. And even yeah. those frameworks tell the same. You need to understand what is good for you. And you, you need to always learn. That's like my yep. my motivation. It is always to learn, uh, you know, every day. So it is, uh, it is that is that is some hard thing to change if people don't want to learn. So <laughs> so so that's like maybe one thing that we can uh, you know agree on. So absolutely, Kalle. Co continuous learning. Continuous yeah, I learning. Think, yeah, I think it goes very well in line with the with the objective of this this uh, conversation is that people start adding stuff on in the conversation after the final words so uh, <laughs> come on continuous yeah. delivery there is, what? Yeah, yeah. we there just improve no words you know it's never yeah. ending there is no project you know yeah the project there's is no... just like a yeah that's a lie there's, yeah there's no there's no there's no root cause there's just an interim point where you stop getting deeper and deeper and i think the yeah. closing words is, is one thing like that well uh, nevertheless i need to thank you Kale, for for preparing your opening speech. Thank you, Henrik, for, for participating on a, such a short notice. And thank you, Zillard, uh, for participating as well. It was it was very interesting. And, and I hope it also gave you some, some ideas for the forthcoming um, episode. So keep them coming and uh, we'll probably reconvene maybe with a different setup or with a slightly same setup. You never know. Let's see. Thank Let's you very see. much, Lapa. Thank, thank you, you so much. I have to confess that before the recording, I decided to try and stay silent as much as possible, but when the debate was on, I couldn't quite keep up with my promises. Going forward, we'd be more than happy to bring you into a debate or listen to you for ideas. Reach out 
to us at Ethical via Twitter, LinkedIn or Facebook and let us hear about you. Until then, stay safe and invest in continuous learning. Thank you.